This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. Tuesday afternoon. Uh, if you're watching this video, you're just going to see a uh, circle where I usually am, having some uh, technical difficulties. Definitely make sure and uh, come in and have this podcast because uh, a lot to talk about after a, uh, a very uh, interesting Saturday for Georgia on the Plains. Uh, we're going to start this podcast talking about that 27-20 victory over Auburn. Then also look ahead to Saturday's game, a big night game in Sanford Stadium against an undefeated Kentucky team. Uh, Kip, you did the podcast after the game on Saturday, 27-20 win for Georgia on the Plains. Um, what has sort of stood with you the days after that game and, and has um, you know really made an impression on you or made something that you want to see going forward with this Georgia team again? It fell behind 10 nothing. come back, uh, back and forth in that second half, and then Carson Beck hits Brock Bowers for the go-ahead 40-yard touchdown. Malachi Starks seals the win with a interception on fourth down. Um, what sort of sticks out to you about that game a couple days later? Well, I'm not going to sit here and say I was uh, in a state of depression like Kirby was after the game, uh, but I, I did like him you know, referencing the – his father's advice about it never uh, being as good as it seems and never as bad as it seems. I mean, the initial reaction is obviously uh, thank goodness for Brock Bowers. You know, Georgia's obviously not in this situation if they don't have arguably the most talented skill position player in the country, uh, just taking over the game in the second half. But, you know, having some time to think about it, uh, it really, you got to, I mean, you got to look at Carson Beck and just the improvement he's making and and just, uh, you know, what he's been able to do, not just on third downs, but just, you know, overall when the game is on the line, it seems like each week, you know, more is being asked of him and, and he, he's stepping up and definitely when the team needs it. This passing game is really starting to, you know, uh, gain some steam and I'm sure getting Lab McConkey helped a lot too because, I mean, the guy's first three catches of the season were all third down conversions. And I mean, that, that's as clutch as it gets. So I, I think that, you know, obviously there's some things uh, on defense and, and even the offensive line as far as run blocking that have to get better. But uh, I think there's also reason for optimism because it, it does seem like, you know, the numbers may not have dictated, it, you know, less than 30 points. But I think this offense is got something to build around now and, and has some momentum getting some key guys back on, you know, as far as wide receivers concerned. 
Definitely, and I think Ladd is definitely someone worth talking about. You know, it's easy to point to Brock Bowers, and deservedly so, because, I mean, he just went off. But, I mean, Ladd comes in his very first play is a third down, and they throw to him immediately, and he picks it up. He had a couple of really big third down conversions. Uh, to have him back, and, you know, it's going to be interesting on Tuesday night to talk to Kirby to see how Ladd is doing through these first few days of practice, because uh, he talked about after the game, uh, Kirby did, you know, really, really want to make sure that he's okay and that, you know, there are no setbacks coming out of that game. Um, I wrote about uh, my rewatch and sort of what stood out to me on Tuesday morning. You know, I think there is reason for concern with this run defense, particularly the defensive line. I got to admit, Kip, I was a little underwhelmed with how they played, particularly against the run. Now, some of that was what Auburn did, um, and I made sure in that rewatch to talk about you know, how Auburn schemed that game up, and they kept Georgia guessing. You know, there was a lot of option looks, a lot of things that make a defender hold up and, and try to get a read on what's coming, so that was part of it. But that Auburn offensive line has struggled uh, to, um, you know, coming into Saturday's game, had played really, really poorly on the road against Texas A&M, um, and I thought a lot of that game they got a really good push, and they were able to keep the line moving, which is not what you expect to see uh, from Georgia's point of view. Um, some miscommunication on defense. There were a few times specifically there was, a, I think, a third and nine uh, that uh, between Javon Dimas Johnson and Smile Munden, somebody was supposed to spy, and uh, neither one did. And uh, just judging by uh, Javon's reaction, I think he, he thought it was Smile, um, but uh, Peyton took off and gained probably 14, 15 yards on a third and nine. So, you know, some of that you expect early in the year. Um, with a few new starters out there trying to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, but it's something they got to clean up. And, and again, on the run defense, uh, that's going to be a big part of Saturday's conversation because Kentucky's got a very, very good running back in Ray Davis. And uh, if, if they're able to run between the tackles, it could be a, a long night. It could be another very competitive game for Georgia. Yeah, and then on the flip side, if you, if you want to look on the bright side here, uh, as, as you mentioned, I mean, they're not going to be facing a guy like Peyton Thorne uh, this weekend. Um, Devin Leary will not be mistaken for any Auburn quarterback anytime soon. I think he's got negative uh, rushing yards on the season, taking sacks. But then at the same time, you mentioned it. Uh, if Kentucky's bread and butter is between the tackles or off tackle, that's the one area against Auburn that Georgia's run defense uh, looked overall solid. Uh, I think it was like, they may have had, uh, you know, less than 20 yards off tackle, but even be just between the tackles, it was less than 50 yards they got. Uh, it, it was definitely that perimeter uh, run game where they had like over 170 yards. It was, I mean, it was over 10 yards going to the perimeter. So that aspect obviously has to be cleaned up. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's something, an area that, Kentucky is, I mean, that's not their bread and butter. And obviously, uh, you know, Ray Davis has already got 11 touchdowns and we're not even at the halfway point of the season. He has uh, been incredible. That game against Florida, huge. But uh, if you're Kirby Smart, that's why there's, you know, there's he went back and looked and thought, well, this is actually stuff we can clean up. Uh, this isn't all just our roster. I mean, obviously, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, they're not walking back through that door. You know, these are the guys they have. And, you know, I, I think those, you know, they have a solid group, but not a group that's going to be meeting the ball carrier in the backfield on a regular basis. So you got to get better linebacker play, like you said. Javon Dumas Johnson, Small Munden have to step up. Uh, a lot of people trying to kind of put uh, a lot of blame on Chaz Chambliss. You got to remember, 
this guy started the the last half or the last part of last season with, with Georgia's defense and, and they played great. So you can't just put it on him. He's got the ability to do it. And we've talked about the secondary and how talented they are and how great they look. But most of the time we've been talking about, you know, them in coverage and they still have been pretty good in that area. But you got to remember that Malachi Starks is a sophomore. Javon Board hadn't played back at safety before. You got new guys, uh, Tyke Smith, first year starter at Georgia in that scheme. So you got new guys across the board out there. And so I, I think that's probably what Kirby Smart saw on film things that can be fixed and not necessarily personnel issues uh you know you don't have chris smith back there that was a guy that just made plays when you needed him to in any facet of the game and, and so like that's that's an area where you know malachi starks uh javon board they have to step up and, and play better for against the run for georgia's defense to look it won't look like last year's the year before but the the look like it plays up to the georgia standard which it definitely did not uh last week i mean teams don't run like that on georgia under kirby smart and i i think that's the aspect this week in practice where they have a chance to to make a lot of improvements and, and make a statement this weekend against a team that just got done running the ball as well as anyone in the country yeah i think there's plenty that they're going to want to clean up and like you said kev do so in a hurry a uh, couple other guys i want to shout out from that auburn game peyton woodring you know i think that was a guy we had a lot of questions about i mean i, I wrote about the fact that you know i thought maybe they need to get jared zirkle out there and at least give him a look and, and to peyton's credit he's done uh, really well since that south carolina game hit two big field goals in that auburn game and you know one of those i feel like if you miss that just really ignites the auburn crowd and Credit to him. He came through in a really big situation. Kirby talked about him on Monday and said, you know, he, he's a guy that was a pitcher in high school. And he said, you know, I know what it's like uh, to go out there and, you know, everybody's booing you or everybody's on you and you got to throw strikes. He said, you know, that he, he recovered. And I think Peyton deserves a lot of credit for that. Dalen Everett, I think he gave up a few plays early, came up with some of the biggest plays as far as pass breakups in that game. There was a third and 16 at one point where it looked like Auburn was going to convert, and he was able to knock the ball out at the last minute. Another big incompletion, I believe that was in the fourth quarter that he forced. Uh, there was a little bit of hand fighting going down the uh, left sideline. He was able to force an incompletion. You know, you, you need guys to step up, and something I wrote about uh, in – uh, my rewatch was that, you know, there's a couple plays here and there that make all the difference. I mean, like Dejon Edwards getting the carry when they're on the two and breaking it for 16 and giving yourself a little bit of room. Uh, Rara Thomas catching that pass where he bobbled it for it felt like five yards before he kind of hauled it in, moved the chains. Little plays here and there when you're in a game that's a one that winds up being a one possession game. Um, you got to have those breaks and, and Georgia had issues that put themselves in a really dangerous situation, turning the ball over like it did a couple times. Um, but they were able to make those plays they had to have, and we're still talking about an undefeated Georgia team. Yeah, I was going to bring up Edwards. That was just huge. I mean, they're backed up at the two-yard line, and, I mean, Auburn knew they were going to run the ball on that because, I mean, unless you're just trying to be super aggressive, that that's what you do. And uh, getting 16 yards uh, set them up for a 98-yard uh, drive that tied the game but then that also kind of leads to my other point uh credit to mike bobo uh you know a lot of fire this this season and you know a lot of people questioning the you know those slow starts to begin the game but a lot of times that sets up plays later on and i really think again you know having brock bowers in blocking in a couple plays really sets up the him on that play action later in the game and it did uh big plays for him 
Uh, and then all this again, uh, they came out firing. I mean, uh, and you look at the turnovers early on. That I mean, that's because of them coming out aggressive. That that interception from, by uh, Carson Beck was the second pass to open that second drive of the game. Um, uh, Delps fumble first play of the second half. Um, he's been passing early, and I, I think again, especially on first down. You know, they they, they threw on first down. Uh, I believe at least half of the time in this game, and so that's uh, aggressive play calling by Bobo. I think that again after that first drive, they they picked up the you know just the the pace and pushing the ball down the field, and and I really think it it, it kind of paid off for them, and I, I think he called an, an outstanding game, especially uh, you know late in the game, uh, you know they they really needed uh, you know they could have decided to just get in field goal range, but he put, he continued to to push the ball down the field and and. You know, they took the lead on that, that touchdown pass, which was huge. So I just think that, again, uh, you, you got to give credit to Mike Bobo. Uh, he, you know, he is continuing to stick to the plan and knowing that Carson Beck's going to get better every week. Uh, I think that's really where this offense, the upside is is there. They haven't played their best game, but you can see what this offense can do. And the offensive line, I mentioned earlier that, you know, the run blocking leaves a little bit to be desired, but uh, Carson Beck had a, a clean pocket for most of the game. And obviously he took advantage of it, uh, you know, had a career high in passing yards overall. Again, two, one throw he'd like to have back. And I think trying to lead Oscar Dupp a little bit, uh, I think there was like a miscommunication where Oscar's supposed to go a little bit to the left. And, you know, that's why the ball wasn't exactly where it needed to be, but, Otherwise, uh, I, I think uh, he had about as good as game as, as he's seen from Carson Beck so far at Georgia. Definitely, and I think he made a good point about Mike Bobo. I think he called a really nice game. They did a good job in a few specific plays I can remember with just misdirection, like moving Brock Bowers across the formation, things like that. Um, you know, we know folks on the junkyard like to get after Mike a little bit, but I think to date he's done a really good job calling this offense, and uh, I think – uh, he should be commended for the job he did and the way Georgia played in that game. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, turn the focus to Kentucky, what we expect to see and what we've heard so far getting ready for another Saturday night in Athens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Welcome back, everybody. Well, turning the attention to Kentucky, uh, to date we've had a, a couple of days uh, to see, uh, you know, recap Auburn and also to start looking ahead to Kentucky. We had a chance to talk to Kirby Smart, uh, Tate Ratledge, Smile Monday on Monday. 
Um, you know, the biggest thing I think people understand, uh, people on this team understand, uh, that Kentucky's a pretty dangerous team, a very good defense. If you look at some of the statistics, uh, some of the best numbers as far as the SEC and in turn in the country. Uh, offense, Ray Davis has been putting on a show, and uh, they're coming off a game against Florida where they rush for 329 yards in a 33-14 to victory. Devin Leary, probably the guy I have the most questions about. I've been a little disappointed with how he's played, former NC State quarterback. Um, had some issues. I think he might have thrown a couple interceptions in that Florida game. Uh, you know, talking to Kirby, uh, they understand that this is going to be a very physical game, and that's sort of been the staple of Mark Stoops' time at Kentucky. Um, Tate Rattledge talked about that defensive line, that they're going to put up a big challenge. We'll say one of the biggest things, and I'm probably going to write about this on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, Tate was very, very noticeably disappointed in how they played run blocking. You know, I just asked him generally about, hey, you guys have had a few weeks with the new lineup with the Marius Mims out. How have you guys played? And Tate kind of took a few seconds. You could see sort of the wheels turning, and he, you know, he said he was very disappointed in how they've run blocked. And you know that those guys take cre- uh, take credit, take pride in playing well and uh, open up those holes. You know, it seemed like they had probably more success running on the perimeter against Auburn, but you know, running up the gut. Um, was harder to do. Now, it was easier when you got a guy like Dejan Edwards, who seems like he's always moving that pile forward, even if he's getting hit at the line, uh, made some good cuts along the way. Um, but they know they want to improve, and it's going to be a challenge as far as run blocking because this is a very uh, talented defensive front, really defense as a whole for Kentucky. Um, it's going to be a very interesting matchup between these two SEC East teams. You know, right now, not a lot of uh, undefeated teams left in the SEC. I believe at this point it's Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri. Um, so this is a really important game for Georgia. And, uh, you know, it's one that they understand that uh, they need to win, need to take care of this game being at home uh, against a Kentucky team that is very talented and could very well be their biggest threat to winning the East in the East last year of existence. Kip, what are your thoughts about this Kentucky matchup? Anyone or anything in particular stand out to you or catch your interest when we're talking about this one? Well, obviously, uh, I think that the fact that you look at that last game for Kentucky and, uh, you know, an over maybe an under overlooked aspect of this game was that, as we said, Devin Leary didn't have a great game. You know, he, he completed less than 48% of his passes. He was basically – uh, a non-factor, not even a game manager. You know, they didn't ask him to throw the ball 20 times and he didn't throw for, he threw for like 69 yards in the game. And, and so he was basically there just to hand the ball off for, for most of the game. Did a nice job of that, obviously. But uh, I think that if you look at it from that aspect, uh, you can't say Kentucky played a perfect game against Florida. Um, which is what I've kind of read. Some of the you know fans and people have said that you know that 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 was Kentucky at its best, but I don't think that's true. But the uh, you know the upside to that is what Kentucky has done well under Stoops is again focus on being able to run the ball and uh, and stop the run. And I mean that's basically where again even when Kentucky's at their best, it's it's what Kirby Smart has tried to do at Georgia. So uh, for Kentucky to be able to beat Georgia, they have to be better than Georgia at their own game. And that's typically why Georgia plays Kentucky pretty well under Kirby Smart, because if there's anyone that's going to know, you know, how to uh, defend against that and how to prepare for that, it will be Kirby Smart. So I think this kind of plays into what Georgia does well, but they are coming off a game where 
they had a lot of run fit problems. Uh, the fact that this is more of a traditional run game should help, but they still have to clean a lot of things up and they still have, you know, it's not just the Ray Davis show. I mean, if you, if you look at what, you know, the other playmakers on the team, Barry and Brown, Tavion Robinson have, have had really strong performances earlier in the season. Um, I, I think at the same time, if, if you're forcing Devin Larry to beat you, which is what Georgia should be doing, uh, you know, you have to like Georgia's chances with their secondary and the way they've played so far this year. So I do think, again, at looking at the individual matchups overall and just how how things, uh, you know, kind of square up for Georgia, you got to like the the matchups. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Georgia has at some point <laughs> cannot come out of the gate slow. They're going to get, you know, this is going to come back to bite them at some point. And I think Georgia's, you know, Georgia fans are looking overall this season going, this doesn't look like a championship team. And, you know, you're kind of right to think that. Um, but but at the same time, you, you just kind of look over college football. That's kind of the way it's been this year. I think, you know, there's a lot of parity uh, this season. So it's going to be about, you know, kind of not coming out slow out of the gate when you're evenly matched. And I think that's something that that Georgia can definitely work on. It's just you can only roll the dice so many times, you know, and not come up snake eyes eventually. So I think that's that's where Georgia needs to stop playing, uh, you know, Russian roulette there and, and start kind of uh, coming out focused and, and playing good football like they've been doing in the second half of every game this season. No doubt. And, you know, you, you talk about looking at the play and some of the concerns of fans. I mean, you know, Georgia has yet to cover the spread this year. I mean, it's sort of the high expectations and, and, uh, you know, we were talking about this on Monday being like, OK, well, this will be the week. OK, well, this will be the week. You know, mm -hmm. you sort of sort of wonder if that's going to happen. Uh, but this is a really dangerous Kentucky team. And you think about one of the toughest games Georgia had last year outside of that Missouri game where they fell behind was probably at Kentucky 16 to six win. And Kentucky really had some momentum toward the end of that game. Barry and Brown, I'm really, really a big fan of him. I think he's done a good job. We've talked about Ray Davis. Um, this is going to be a, another game where Georgia's going to have to put up or shut up, and uh, I think it's going to be a real challenge. This, I think this needs to be the kind of game where this defensive line shows what it can do. You know, I, I said before the Auburn game that I felt like they'd been a little underwhelming, and uh, I think it's still fair to say that. And, you know, I, I need to see them really turn it on, and, and you want to see those linebackers behind them be able to come through and stop the run. Um, you know, I thought someone on YouTube made a really good – a point about all the talent that Georgia's lost, and you can't expect it really to stay there at that level year after year. Um, but, you know, I think that the the numbers when it comes to rushing yards they've allowed and, and again, rushing touchdowns, um, it's not what we are accustomed to seeing with Georgia. And um, this is the kind of team that can exploit that if that is a true weakness for Kentucky, for Georgia. Uh, Kentucky can jump on them and, and be able to run the ball. We just saw them do that against Florida. Uh, Georgia better show up ready to play or it could be a long night. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Javon Bullard was back last week, Michael Williams, but, you know, they probably weren't 100%, but no one really is, you know, during a football season. So, you know, those are, again, you, you mentioned this defensive front needing to step up. Uh, you know, Michael Williams got all all the, the press in the world this, this offseason. 
it's time for him to kind of have that, you know, takeover game and establish himself as the preseason All-American that, that he that he was selected. So I, I think that's obviously the big-time players are going to have to step up. You saw Brock Bowers do it last week. Someone on defense might be tasked to doing that this week, whether it's Michael, whether it's Nazir Stackhouse, Small Munden. Um, you're going to have to have your big-time players uh, come up here and – and continue to, you know, get Georgia the the six and zero, and and have all the goals in front of them. Because, like you said, you know, not covering is not a big deal, but you don't want to be grouped at the end of the year with the guy the teams are grouped with now, which is uh, Vanderbilt, Illinois, UTSA. Those are the only teams that haven't covered the spread this year, and Georgia. That's that's a rough grouping to be involved with. So I, I think at some point, Georgia has to play as well as Vegas thinks they can play, or or, or else, you know. I don't think those double-digit spreads are going to, you know, continue the rest of the season, which is probably a bad sign for Georgia's championship uh, chances. Definitely, and it's going to be something to watch. You know, there was a lot of talk out of that Auburn game, should Georgia still be number one? I'm still maintaining that spot, but, you know, there are a lot of questions about this team. Uh, Looking at this Kentucky game, I would tell folks to keep an eye out on Wednesday around noon. Uh, the Cats, Paul's Aaron Gershon will come on with me. We're going to preview this game on Saturday, get a better feel for this Kentucky team, uh, and get a sense of what we are going to see on Saturday night in Athens. Um, men's Basketball Minute, uh, Friday night, uh, Stegmania. That will be for the students, a chance for them to get out there, get to see this team, uh, get a chance to uh, uh, get in on some fun. I think there will be a dunk contest, probably a three-point contest as they gear up uh, for the start of the season in early November. Had a chance to do some interviews, and we'll have some stories in the weeks to come. Uh, with some of the newcomers, R.J. Melendez from Illinois, Blue Kane, who I think is a really talented shooting guard, a true freshman. I got some really good insight on him, uh, the fun story on Blue Kane. Uh, Blue is his middle name. Uh, his father was a golfer at Duke, and uh, so he said whenever he had a son, he was going to name his son Blue uh, after the Blue Devils. So uh, definitely uh, natural to be playing basketball. Uh, the other thing I'd throw out there for men's basketball, keep an eye out in the next few weeks. Five-star power forward Asa Newell is going to announce his commitment. Um, we're not sure on a date yet, but all indications are that Georgia should feel pretty good about where it's at. Now, there's a lot of competition for Asa. Uh, teams like Alabama and Gonzaga, Texas as well. Uh, but uh, there is optimism around the Georgia program when it comes to Asa. Uh, and if I'm remembering correctly, he'd be like the third highest rated signee Georgia's ever had behind Anthony Edwards. And I believe uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, which is really, really good. Um, uh, you know, a good place to be really good company when it comes to Asa and uh, Asa spent some time when he was a kid in Athens, living in Athens. His brother is a walk on on the Georgia team right now, Jaden. Um, so that would be a huge win for Mike White and company, um, would be the biggest to date when it comes to recruiting. But nothing is uh, decided at this point. You know, like I mentioned, there's going to be a lot of teams vying for him, some of the top programs in the country. Um, but that is a name to watch, Asa Newell, in the next few weeks. Again, a recruitment that is worth keeping an eye on for Georgia fans. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. I appreciate Kip for popping on. Appreciate all of you uh, dealing with my technical difficulties if you're watching this, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we get that figured out before next time. Uh, make sure to go to dogs247.com if you are not already subscribed. Right now, we have a deal going for two months, only a dollar. Get all our VIP content. Make sure and take advantage while we have that deal running. And also make sure and go to dogs247 on YouTube. You can 
and watch all of these podcasts, Kirby Smart post-game press conferences, interviews with the players, and men's basketball content interviews with Mike White as well as the players. So we are out of here on that. Until next time, uh, for Kip Adams, I am Jordan Hill. Everybody take care.